Christchurch, New Malden, 26th of April 2020. Tim Davis speaking on You Are Not Alone. We're perhaps starting to reach that point where many of us are feeling the strain of lockdown and in particular the separation from friends and family. The absence of their physical presence, their touch, leaves a sense of loss and longing to be reunited again. But also, in the absence of physically meeting together to worship at church, we maybe too are feeling the absence of God. Maybe questions are starting to form. Where is God in all of this? Why does he seem silent and far removed from our troubles, when his comfort and reassurance is desperately needed? The Bible tells us that God desires to be with us, and yet we may be finding that we're seeking God, but experiencing his apparent elusiveness or absence. Now, I've titled this talk, You Are Not Alone, but to really acknowledge and believe this, we first have to start at the beginning with separation, seeking to move away from being consumed with the sadness of separation and see what we can learn from it and how we can instead meet and encounter God. I just want to acknowledge early on uh, two sources of inspiration for this talk. Firstly, one of my favourite songs by the artist Carrie Joby called I Am Not Alone, but also Christopher Chapman's wonderful book, which I thoroughly recommend, called Seeing in the Dark, and the chapter particularly on meeting and separation. One of the most poignant stories in the Gospels sees Mary Magdalene searching for the body of Jesus early in the morning. When she finds the tomb empty, she experiences double pain. Jesus had been taken away from her in life, and now he has been removed in death. She cries out to those nearby, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Loss and grief can overwhelm us. Yet the very intensity of the experience of separation tells us of the intimacy of the meeting that has previously taken place. We miss those we most love. Yet meeting and separation are also characteristic of our encounter with God. Imagine, if you will, an exercise where you've been given an object to draw. But rather than draw the object itself, you are tasked to draw the space between and around it. When completed the drawing, the absence of the object we're not drawing can actually just look as real as the object itself. The shape, the outline is still there. And so when considering emptiness and separation, what if instead of fleeing from it, we take time to become familiar with it? and understand what it is in that whole, that empty space that appears to be absent. There are many times when we might describe feeling God's presence or are aware of him, be it in prayer or in witnessing the wonder of creation, in Bible study, in passionate worship or in silent meditation. But it's not our awareness that makes God present as if God has to break into a world from which he is usually absent. In Psalm 139, David writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Despite how we may find ourselves feeling, God is always with us and his continued presence is not something we can switch off. He is ever with us, here and now. And sometimes we are aware of this presence and sometimes we are not. And what is so countercultural about Christianity is that it's not about our search for God, but in fact God's search for us. I know many of us who have grown up with the idea that Christianity is this fairly one-sided affair where we had to say our prayers and do good to one another and show ourselves as worthy of God's favour, as if we could only bring about God's presence through our own actions. And yet, it's not about how intently or effectively we pray. We don't conjure up a spiritual feeling or some mystical portal to God. We don't find God through perfect behaviour. God is already there. Now, of course, prayer matters. But because it is our attentiveness to the God we seek, but who is in fact always there. But how does this help us when we are in times of suffering, in times of isolation and loneliness? Why, if God so desires a relationship with us, can he still feel so elusive? Perhaps because we come with expectation that praying and doing good will be enough and God will be faithful and walk beside us, keeping us safe from harm, as we heard in the reading from Isaiah 43. But when that doesn't stand up, we feel far from God. Our understanding was flawed from the start. What is required is an understanding of God's love and how we are called to reflect this. What I guess we might describe as a grown-up love. When we are young and learning to play a board game, Monopoly for example, our parents or older siblings might have allowed us to win so that we enjoy playing the game as well as learn its basic rules. Um, but as we get older and the playing field is levelled, we can't stop enjoying or loving the game just because we may now lose. Instead, we learn to appreciate the nuances of the game and its challenges and rewards. Liking, even loving something that may not provide us with the reward or love we desire in return, is the fundamental basis of understanding godly love. The test of how we understand and acknowledge God's constant love is in how we choose to treat others. Choosing to love others as God commands us to, even when God seems absent, is the birth of a free and unbounded love. Choosing still to love when it is neither returned nor acknowledged, when the recipient is someone we may even find difficult to love. This mature, grown-up love of loving in and through the affliction of separation is a grown-up love that mirrors and expresses the love that God is. A wholly generous, self-giving love that is always there, no matter how unrequited it may be. Requiring nothing in return, God goes in search of us. In his letter to the Ephesians, 
Paul's message that we may be rooted and grounded in love is comforting. But to actually know and receive and express the fullness of God is to need to be stretched and pulled out of our comfort to fully know the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ and become filled with the fullness of God. Within the experience of meeting, when all that we need and desire is given, we may feel that a small love will do. But in separation, when there is no one to greet us, love moves into new territory of self-giving. Love is not a feeling. It is a choice. It is the being and activity of God. The more we love, the more God lives in us and we live in God. Now, to say that love is not primarily a sensation is not to dismiss the feeling of love. It is simply to state that this feeling may come and go. And whilst we welcome it and revel in it, we cannot count on it. And whilst that may feel an uncomfortable truth, consider instead that God's love does not depend on a feeling. He chose to love us and chooses to love us still, expecting nothing in return. His love is constant. See, even when we may not feel it, his love is still there. And it's echoed in the words of Isaiah 43. God's love goes before us. It walks with us through the fire as we pass through the waters. For before we knew it, he called us by name. Before his death, Jesus gave his disciples words to see them through the days of separation. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. You will weep and mourn. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. The resurrection narratives speak not so much of meeting after separation, but of a new reality almost where meeting and separation are intertwined within our experience. Mary Magdalene weeps in the garden where Jesus was laid. Peter and his companions try to put out of their minds the trauma of their friend's death by returning to their lives as fishermen. Two companions take the long road home to Emmaus, their hope and comfort shattered. Recognition of a new reality comes in a moment. The calling of a name a miraculous haul of fish, the familiar movement of a stranger breaking bread. The risen Jesus meets them and us at that unanticipated moment and within the dark as well as the light of our days. And then the moment is gone. Mary cannot hold on to Jesus and we cannot make this Easter day experience happen again and again at our will. But the moment is also not gone. It dwells in our hearts and minds. We can ponder it, returning to it when difficulty envelops us, knowing that God, who loves us, has gone before us, walks beside us, made the ultimate sacrifice for us, and waits for us. That's the cross. 
where we find perhaps the greatest reminder of not just God's love, but also the combination of meeting and separation and knowing we are loved. As he is dying, Christ called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus feels abandoned by his Father and alone, and yet is wholly turned towards the enduring and compassionate presence he cannot feel. In feeling, Jesus has never been further away, yet in will and desire, he has never been closer. However sad, alone, frightened we may feel at these times, know that God is always there. You are not alone. You are loved. If you want to spend a bit more time in reflection on this, then attached to the email you may have received is a prayer and contemplation activity from Christopher Chapman's book. Or if you're listening to this separately, then please get in touch with the church and we'll email this to you. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this talk, another source of inspiration was a song by Carrie Joby, I Am Not Alone. Uh, one of the other songs that we are singing today uses the words of Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And it also reminds us that God is our strength and our shield. And I found that these were similar words to those in Isaiah 43, which inspired the song, I Am Not Alone. There's a link provided for you to listen to as a final encouragement or reflection. And some of the words of the song, which I and many people I know have found great encouragement in, are these. In the midst of deep sorrow, I see your light is breaking through. The dark of night will not overtake me. I am pressing into you. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me.